Blog Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. And today we have one of those uh, premier social media experts on the line. Uh, exciting show today. Welcome, everybody. It is uh, Friday, and boy, am I happy about that. It means I only have two more full days of work to do this week. <laughs> <laughs> we have on the line with us uh, Justin Kister. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. And, and uh, for everybody who doesn't know who Justin is, uh, Justin, uh, uh, actually, we have kind of a cool history, right? You were actually a marketer that targeted me while you were working at a PR firm. That's right. Yeah. Actually, it it, it kind of came about because, you know, I was doing beer and blog, and I think you had wanted to do the uh, Indianapolis chapter. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then the... <laughs> it failed so miserably. Well, and then that's you know I started looking more into you and your background and saw like oh this guy's got a pretty impressive blog here and yeah at the time I was doing PR I was like I bet I could reach out to this guy and convince him to write about a few things. Yeah, and and it was and it was fantastic. It was back web trends had kind of rebirthed itself um, and uh, and was really making a huge play in the market and still is actually. Uh, and uh, and then you went to go work for Web Trends, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I switched teams. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Well, they saw talent and they they acquired it. So so for people that don't know, Justin is uh, the director of social media. Is that the correct title? It's the uh, director of social products, but uh, director of social same difference. <laughs> and uh, at, at Web Trends, and he he really does live and breathe uh, Facebook marketing on a daily basis, working with clients, working with the product team, uh, internal to web trends, um, focusing, of course, on measurable results and and, uh, and marketing results with their clients. Uh, they have some of the largest clients in the world that are doing it. Um, working with their Facebook apps team, which was an acquisition that web trends did. And, and uh, Justin and I spoke a couple days ago just talking about what we were going to talk on the show. And we're just extremely, you know, I'm extremely excited about this because I honestly think that, that Facebook marketing is one of those areas of weakness for me uh, personally. I tend to, to, you know, publish out there, but I don't tend to really engage people. So I'm looking forward to actually learning, you know, within this segment as well. Well, I certainly hope I can be a good educational resource. Well, you you are. I've already, I've already seen you in action at a couple of uh, at a couple of Web Trends events. So, Justin, for everybody who doesn't know you, um, tell everybody about your education and background, and and what got you started, and why you're addicted to this stuff now. Sure. Yeah, my background actually was originally in doing web design, and I had customers that would come to me and say, you know, hey, this is a beautiful website, but no one's showing up. And the response of, well, that's not my problem, didn't really go over too well. So uh, I, started, <laughs> I started learning about search engine optimization because, you know, I was already hand-coding the sites, and I figured if I could learn a couple of tricks and then have that 
you know, start driving traffic, then that was going to be good. Which got me into blogging because blogging is an excellent search engine optimization strategy. And then from there, I just kind of kept going down the social rabbit hole. And uh, over the last three years, I've had a pretty radical change in the way that I think about uh, social marketing, largely due to uh, uh, my VP of marketing, Yasha, at the time was telling me, you know, oh, well, we got to go on Facebook, we got to go on Facebook. And I kept saying, no, that's like training wheels for the real internet. And, uh, you know, over the last three years, everything has just really dramatically shifted in the social space. And now everyone's on Facebook. So I've been uh, focused there on how do you, how do you properly do Facebook marketing? And, and early on in that stage, you know, when people were slowly transitioning, um, when companies were starting to look at Facebook, it still, it still really wasn't an environment for commerce or anything, right? I mean, it was people were still going online just to share pictures and talk to their family and friends and, you know, students around them. But the, the transition is really, you know, I, I think probably in the last, you know, in the last year has been dramatic, hasn't it? It has been really dramatic. I mean, what what really started to take Facebook from uh, just a, a standard social network where you know there wasn't really a lot of business interest into the powerhouse that it is becoming now uh, really began in 2007 when they introduced their ad network and they introduced uh, you know the platform for them to be able to start building applications off of it and. And that started the whole transition, but in the last year, it has picked up so much momentum. It's incredible. And, and tell us, you know, I mean, when you're when you're talking to a company, so we we have like one client right now where literally baby steps, right? We're, we just got them a Facebook page set up. We're just getting them to you know post out to that Facebook page. You know, what what do you tell clients when they when they come back with this, you know, kind of push like, oh, Facebook. Um, you know, what kind of stories and, and success stories do you share with them? Well, the first thing I talk to them about is, uh, you know, I show them this a couple of graphs. I have this graph that Business Insider published that was using Palm Score data, and it really shows the last three years, 2008, you know, through to 2011, about the shift in the amount of time spent on Facebook compared to all other social media. And if you've seen that graph, it's a little depressing if you've been involved in the rest of social just to see the dominance that Facebook has. Uh, but, but it's no longer a point where Facebook is just nice to have occupational strategy because not only is it taking over the social web, during the last year, the amount of time spent on Facebook has grown by about 70%, where the amount of time spent on the rest of the web has declined by 10%. Um, wow. So now it's not like, oh, this will be an awesome way to augment your strategy. It's starting to become, if you don't make this transition, you're going to be left behind, and it's going to be a very painful reality, much like the original move of you know, the Internet was for people who didn't adopt a web strategy. And you, and you have a really unique perspective that I want to talk you know, kind of in detail about. So, so we, we used to tell clients, and it was used to as, as – uh, since two days ago since I talked to you. <laughs> but we really used to take and, um, you know, utilize social media to amplify the message and then always to try to bring people back, bring people back to their website, bring people back, um, 
you know, to, to, to where you could better control the message and the client and everything else. And, and you kind of opened my eyes there that basically Facebook is becoming a great destination for companies as well, especially because with the apps platform, you can basically embed your website or your e-commerce or your apps or anything you want within Facebook and actually push the, the conversion there. Yeah, that's totally right. I mean, there's there's two things to think about. One, you know, there's a consideration of control. When people are saying they want that traffic to come back to their website, that's largely because they have a very significant investment over, you know, 10 plus years of building up that property. And the idea that they're somehow going to have to start over in Facebook, scary. Um, so the first thing I help calm them down about is saying, look, Facebook made a change so that all of the apps, whether they are tabs on a fan page or a Canvas app, are all iframes. So there's really no difference between whether or not somebody's visiting your website as an iframe inside of Facebook or whether or not they're going straight to your .com. It's still your same CMS. It's still your same uh, you know, web environment. You want to adjust the style of it so that it fits in the 520 pixel wide you know, context of a tab. Uh, but the other thing to think about is if you don't do that, then the problem that you have is that the way people use Facebook is very different than the way that they use you know, things like Google, where Google is all about a jumping off point. I'm going there in order to go somewhere else. But Facebook, the amount of time that we spend on Facebook is more than Google, YouTube, MSN, Bing, Windows Live combined. So it's a significant amount of time that we're spending on that site. So, you know, if I'm waiting for friend requests, you know, or I'm, you know, messaging back and forth with my friend, and I'm, you know, sort of waiting in between those messages, I'm willing to spend time with the brand. But if you take me away from being able to see that communication from and all those little red numbers light up around the edge of the screen, you know, then I'm just going to close that website and go right back to Facebook. Right. And so, so you know, let's talk about, you know, user intent, right? Um, so from a user standpoint, you know, I log into Facebook. It used to be that I was logging in for family and friends and everything else. But now it really has become a destination for people now. Uh, as You know, I've noticed that all of the major newspapers now have their social news app integrations there. Um, you know, virtually every company is, you know, is, is building out presence uh, there. Is, is the intent now changing of the user that they are opening up that, hey, this isn't just a place to, you know, to, to see my friends and talk to them. This is a place where I might actually go do research uh, and, and make a purchasing decision? Well, I don't think it's necessarily the same type of intent that one brings to the search space where it's about, you know, research and making an informed decision. That's, that's not what's really going on in the social space. What we're doing when we go to Google is we're trying to get information in order to understand, you know, where we want to then go. But in Facebook, what we're doing is we're staying in touch with the people who we already know in life. Um, you know, and the same thing with brands. The average user on Facebook will fan nine brands. That's not very many. So they're, 
you know, 84% of the people who become a fan are existing customers. So really what we're doing with Facebook is much more about loyalty, much more about, uh, you know, growing value from existing customers and then seeing that activity get displayed to the friends of those folks and then that's how you sort of build your, your audience and build your value, you know, that way. You know, another aspect of this is how we use Facebook is changing. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about Facebook fatigue and, you know, the idea of going into Facebook and messaging with people and, and the whole dynamic is something they're tired of. But as of F8, you know, Facebook introduced the, the custom open graph actions and objects. And so what that means is now I can be using an application like Spotify and I'm not even in Facebook. You know, it's a desktop application that's running and then sharing the music that I'm listening to into Facebook, and then my friends see the music that I'm listening to in the ticker and can then go check it out and start listening to that music. So when we start thinking about what it's going to be like to use Facebook in the future, it's going to be much more like what you're talking about, where we're going to be using social readers, social music players, you know, social um, television show players, social movie players, you know, all that kind of stuff, where that activity we're sharing with our network and then also looking at what our network is doing in order to discover new things to do. And that's using Facebook, and that concept is completely different than the way that we've been thinking about what it means to spend time on Facebook. Well, that's, and that's, I, I, I want to jump back that you said something really important, and that's, so you're saying that, you know, this isn't really um, an acquisition play as much as it is a, you know, upsell and word of mouth and, and really enriching the value of the relationship that you have with your customers. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, just, that's a big change in the way that you think about how you approach it. I, I liken the concept of Facebook marketing to be much more similar to email than it is to search in the type of value you get where step one, you have to build a list, and then step two, you market to that list, and that's how you get value versus... I'm going to try and find strangers, you know, with some sort of a intent signal and then try to, you know, bring them into the, into the fold. Instead, it's about building relationship and then, you know, exchanging value with that list over time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great analogy. Um, we have a, a couple of folks in the chat room that we got a couple of questions. So let me, let me start with the first one. Chris Thiessen asked, um, People rarely go to tabs on pages and interact on the feed. Does that matter how much time and money you spend on iframes, or does the new app platform, you know, make you do more? So I guess I, I'm not really. I know I know what that question's about. Okay, go ahead. I, I hear it a lot, and it's and it's a great point, which is, uh, it, it's I'll even take it one step further, and that's after I fan uh, a brand. Most people don't go back to that fan page just to check out and see if there's something new, much less whether or not they decide to go through the various tabs. So the one thing that is really critical when you think about the role that tabs have in your marketing strategy, you don't want to think about them as like the field of dreams where you build it and then you hope that people come. And, and you don't even want to try to use wall posts as the thing that tries to drive people to those tabs uh, because edge rank algorithm sort of controls what shows up in that content So in the newsfeed. So if you don't have super engaging content that has lots of likes and lots of comments, no one's going to see that content anyway. The way that you drive people to those tabs 
is through advertising. And the goal is to take out ads against your fans so that you're targeting your fans. And you take out those ads, and then those point to your tabs. And then, the, again, comparing that to email, it's similar to that idea that your list is your fan base. But instead of paying for the delivery of postage or the delivery of email, you're only paying for the performance of the people who click on your ads to then come to your tabs, and that's how you drive people to those tabs. You're using ads to do it. Yeah. That's a that's a fascinating strategy. I I honestly hadn't even hadn't even thought about that. It's really it's the best kept secret in how you do Facebook marketing. So develop out tabs with distinct actions and activities for people that you want them to do and then push them there with with ads yeah and just like you think about uh, you know doing email you would have a landing page so you, you you deliver the email it has a little bit of context but the expectation is somebody's going to click through that email and get to a landing page where you're going to provide additional context and then there'll be some sort of call to action on that landing page that will ask them to do something like download a trial version of your software or get a coupon or you know maybe even purchase something directly from that page or or maybe subscribe to your newsletter right right yeah See? yeah <laughs> well, uh, you got my head spinning because i i definitely want to do that you know i well, want to use facebook to drive more people um to my newsletter but i haven't you know i i didn't really figure out what the magic sauce was there well you know speaking of that Groupon, the fastest growing company in American history, their number one acquisition source for driving people to sign up and receive emails from them is Facebook. Wild. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so that's the way they're monetizing is ultimately just thinking about Facebook as a way to drive registration through email, and then they're just monetizing through standard email marketing. Huh. Huh. How about that? Well, let's, let's, man, we've already been on for. Uh, 20 minutes. Let me let me do an ad spot, and then uh, and then when we get back, we had another question, uh, a really good one, and that was basically, how do you get your customers to, you know, how do you drive them to your Facebook page uh, and get them participating there? So we'll be back in uh, 45 seconds. Searching for a bigger online footprint? Slingshot SEO, helping deserving brands achieve growth through internet searches. A passion to maximize the science of search translates into action plans for deserving brands like yours, shaping online conversations about your business and making your business more visible to search engines. Slingshot SEO, digital relevance for deserving brands. Visit SlingshotSEO.com for more information or call 888-603-7337. Let them know you heard about them on the Marketing Technology Blog. Were you dancing? I was, man. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> so it, so the question, um, great question. So I've got this audience on my web page. You know, every web page now has obviously the little Facebook icon and how to connect there. But how do I really compel people, you know, that, hey, this is my website, this is my outward messaging to you, but, you know, here's Facebook, here's where you can actually have a conversation with us. So a couple of things to think about. Um, one is that I'm getting a little weird. 
Yeah, we tend to do that right after an ad. Here, I'll mute us, and you you keep talking. All right, cool. So the thing that I would recommend there is, number one is exclusivity. One thing that I see as a mistake that people do a lot is they'll just simply try to think about Facebook as a syndication channel. So take the same stuff that I'm pumping out in email, the same stuff that I'm pumping out you know, through my website, and put that in Facebook. And if you do that, you've basically told your customers there's no unique value in engaging with me here. So the key thing that you've got to do in order to drive people to connect with you on Facebook is that you have to have things that are exclusive to Facebook. So exclusive offers or the ability to you know, get specific information or get it early, uh, some sort of incentive that makes it feel like my decision to connect with you here this is the only place I'm going to get that value. You know, you want to give them some type of, of, of you know, carrot to get them over there. That's right. And, you know, if you're in the product world, that's you might deliver specific products that you can only get if you are a Facebook fan, you know, or you might have uh, certain white papers that you offer that, you know, you can only get there. Um, you know, or or there might be the ability to register for events, and this be you know the only place where you can do that. If you if you make it so that there is some reason why if I don't connect with you on Facebook, I'm going to miss something, then that's what's going to make people connect with you there. Nice. How does how does what happens and how does Facebook? I, you know, I I'm I'm a huge fan of Twitter. You know, I love Twitter. I'm always on there. Um, and we have Brian Brian Tuttero here. He's he's on Twitter, always talking about camels. Um, <laughs> I am the most influential person on cloud for camels. Yes. <laughs> we, so Justin, Thanks, Justin, just look at my stream and where you see and everybody listening, where you see B Tuttero. Make sure you to go to Clout and give him a plus K for camels. <laughs> we want Bryant to be the dominating camel <laughs> expert on the internet. Um, though I, you know, I, I, I absolutely love Twitter because it's just, it, it, to me, it's kind of a news ticker, and I'm and I'm seeing all this information and I'm able to digest it easily. But what I've seen happen over time is just an incredible amount of of honestly crap. You know, I saw I saw the stats on Twitter where that they've you know, gone from 100 million messages to like 250 million messages a day. And I, and I really feel like that, that 150 million difference is all crap. Like I, I don't, and, and so I've unfollowed like 23,000 people, you know, and just purged my account uh, and everything else to try to clean that up and, and to try to get rid of all the noise. How does Facebook, you know, being the dominant, you know, they are the dominant, you know, how do they control this? How do they keep the quality up of the conversations? You know, we great, great companies are joining Facebook because they see the opportunity to engage there. But what happens next when we start to see the crap, you know, start, start wandering in? Well, well Facebook has a unique strategy for dealing with this. Uh, first of all, they have about a billion messages per day that, that are being generated through Facebook. So they have even an, a larger volume that they're dealing with. And what they use is EdgeRank. Uh, and the, you know, they just introduced another concept at uh, F8 they call GraphRank. 
And essentially, these are algorithms that they use to determine what to show you. And they're individualized for each person that's on Facebook. So they're looking at what's the type of content that you engage with. You click like, you click share, you leave comments on. Uh, you know, what, what is that type of content? And then they use that to determine what to show you. Whereas on things like Twitter, you hit publish, it goes out to everyone, like the way something like email works. But Facebook is much more selective in what they show you, much more similar to the concept of page rank for Google that determines what shows up in your search results. How does a good company, how does a good company take advantage of edge rank? Um, you know, what kind of tips do you have for them to be able to remain popular and remain, you know, with their messages in the stream? Okay, so that I can actually talk about for a long time. I'll, I'll try and keep it somewhat brief. But <laughs> one of the first things you have to think about is, is the content that you're sharing conversational in nature? And the good litmus test for that is, think about if you said your post at a party, what would the facial expression of the person you said that to be? So, for example, if you're at a party and you were to say, hey, get a dollar off chicken sandwiches, what's the response going to be? If you're uh, the, I'm taking a dozen. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, good. So I'll give you another one. Which is, you're at a party. You're talking to somebody, and they say, "Hey, I'm going to give you a top ten list on fashion tips." You know, again, most people are going to be like, "Okay, I'm I'm going to go across the room here and not hang out with you," but. If you have conversation that's things like, hey, it's Halloween, what are you going to do? You're going to end up with a lot of discussion. So the types of stuff that works on Twitter, type of content that works well on blogs, tends to tank on Facebook. You need your conversational type content for Facebook. And otherwise, you're not going to get the engagement, and therefore you're going to get no reach. Okay. And that's and that's honestly, I mean, I'll be wide open with everybody, folks that follow the marketing tech blog on Facebook. That's where we're at. You know, we don't we 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 publish a lot there, but we really don't get a lot of reach with with what we're saying. And I think it's largely because of that we don't craft our messaging, you know, to be conversational in nature. And that's that's something that I guess we we, we need to start working on immediately. That's well, not that not the only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not always a question, though, is it, Justin? No, I mean, you can have uh, things that are more statement-oriented. Um, you know who's actually a, a master at this? It's Dane Cook. Really? Yeah. Go to Dane Cook's Facebook page. That guy gets, like, 32,000 responses to his content, and some of it is statement stuff, and it'll be things like, I'm at the airport, and I saw, you know, this mom with her baby and, you know, she had spit up all over her coat and I was tempted to, you know, say something to her. I don't know. Like he, he says stuff where he can just sort of be making more of a statement, but the statement itself is about something that's so outlandish uh, or, or just interesting that you feel compelled to discuss it. Right. Right. So it's it, it, controversial in nature. It's controversial, humorous, uh, sobering, uh, timely. 
for example, you know, there were just two earthquakes in San Francisco. Um, you know, talking about that. Halloween coming up. Talking about that. So anything where you are uh, relating to the subjects that are top of mind for people or asking them really simple uh, questions that appeal to a broad audience, those types of things get a lot of interaction. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, that, uh, lots, lots to digest there. So oh, wait, I got, I got one more. Uh, go. Fill in the blank is super popular right now. So you can do a thing that says, fill in the blank. You know, my favorite color is blah. And What's then your- you... Your favorite color is blank? No, no. The object is that you'd substitute that. <laughs> I, uh, man, I got right, some groans. Get the right facial expression to <laughs> I got some groans in here. I'm sorry. Oh, man, you got to work on your party conversation. Yeah, I know, huh? <laughs> My well, expression is blank. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Halloween, I got to I got to plug... I gotta plug someone here. So HCCMIS.com. These guys these guys are good guys. Brian's the you know, he's the camel expert behind me that I've been joking about. Um they just put out an infographic. Just just do a search for a zombie infographic. Or HCCMIS zombie Guide to Zombies. Guide to Zombie Survival. There you go. We put it in the chat room, we'll tweet it too. But uh but hilarious uh infographic on on zombie survival. Um, it is the most controversial zombie infographic an insurance company has ever put out. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, but that's a good example, I guess, Justin, from what going back for what you were saying. So here we have a traditional insurance company, right? Yep. They're very, very much, you know, bored and oriented and, and drowning, in compliance. drowning in compliance and and they throw out a great you know infographic on zombies i mean that's that's probably good fodder for a facebook page right uh-oh did we lose did we lose we were born with the <laughs> he hung up with the insurance <laughs> he was he was tired of us <laughs> yeah it looks like we lost justin um, oh bummer! I wanted to get in. You know what? Let's take a let's let's take a quick break. Oh, you want? I was just saying that's an awesome example. <laughs> <laughs> we got you back. Uh, so so I, I wanna I wanna kind of change directions now. So <laughs> Chris wrote in the in the uh, in the room that you didn't get to the infographic in time and you were eaten by zombies. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to kind of change gears. So a lot of what we've been talking about are, you know, why you should be on Facebook, how to start on Facebook, how to promote and get people to your Facebook page, how to cr- get your p- Facebook page um a little bit more active uh and that's, you know, a pretty good session right there in half an hour. But I want to get to some of the meat of the stuff that you're doing. Obviously, you work for WebTrends, uh which is an analytics company. And even more powerful is the fact that, you know, Facebook used to be kind of this walled garden where we couldn't measure, we couldn't see what was happening. Um, but now it's it's pretty open that you can push and pull any data you want to monitor uh, your activity there. Can you talk about some of the metrics that, that 
you know you pay attention to as a marketer and, and with your clients, and then um, you know how how Facebook has changed the game there. Yeah, one thing that's unique about Facebook is that um, you know I, I think that there is sort of a a split going on in social marketing right now, a, a difference between what I call community social versus performance social. You know, and community social is very focused on customer care, monitoring, you know, reputation management, uh, you know, a lot of that type of stuff. You know, you're trying to get, increase your mentions and, you know, win the battle of share of voice, you know, and sort of that whole side of, of what I call community social. And there's this new discipline that's emerging, uh, you know, that's, it's really been going on for a few years, but it's really starting to hit a tipping point right now, which is what I call performance social. And that's much more about advertising, uh, delivering those, those people to applications that are functioning as your landing pages, and then using analytics to measure all of that. And what's, what's unique about Facebook is that it has both of those elements. It has the community piece vis-a-vis the wall, uh, and it has the performance piece which is the ads and the applications. You know, so, so when we're thinking about metrics, in the community side, when it comes to the wall, because the name of the game in Facebook is that engagement equals reach, we focus very heavily on how do your individual posts perform in terms of getting engagement. And the, you know, the business value that we've seen for a really effective wall strategy is that it by increasing that engagement with your fans, you know, you're continuing to keep your brand top of mind, which has its own value. Uh, but the other important thing is that if you're doing a great job engaging people, you will see a correlation in an increase in the number of fans that you get. So the, the real core value of, to a business of doing a good job on the wall is both building a quality reputation with your folks and getting more fans at a very cost-effective price. So we're, those are. So, go ahead. so the wall is a party, and people looking at it from the outside and seeing a lot of activity in there, and a lot of their friends in there, they want to join the party. That's exactly right. And then when we think about from an ROI perspective, because you know ultimately if you tell customers you know that's the value of social or Facebook, that's it's not going to quite be enough. The value of doing all of that means that you end up with a growing list of fans that you can now target with advertising. And when it comes to that side of the Facebook equation, we're looking at fairly old-school digital marketing metrics. So we're looking at things like click-through rate. We're looking at things like conversion rate. We're trying to understand which ads are driving all the way through the funnel to the point where some sort of meaningful business value is created and then trying to optimize our campaigns, you know, against some of that performance data. And is it and is it possible, you know, within web trends to create that conversion funnel where, you know, that sales funnel where you can see, you know, um, when when I want to let's say I want to start a tactic just like you were talking about that you basically want to build out uh, an incredible a uh, piece of, you know, let's say a, a promotion on a, on a wall tab, and then you want to drive there with ads, are you able to see this ad, you know, resulted in this many impressions, and then these many people filled out the form on the page, and this is how many people converted, and here was my overall, you know, return on investment? Yeah, there's, 
it, we've invested in two really important aspects of, of how you can stitch that story together. One of which is because these applications sit inside of an iframe, uh, the way Facebook has it set up is you can't access the URL of the parent page. Meaning, you know, what we're used to doing is putting tracking codes on our links in ads, and then when that traffic clicks through and comes to our landing page, then our analytics solution will just pick up that campaign parameter, and then that's how we establish attribution. Well, that tactic doesn't work the way it does in the, in the standard open web. Uh, so we've had to retool our technology to make it so that it works within the constraints of the iframe environment that Facebook creates so that you can have that attribution like you used to in the open web. And you guys you guys were kind of the first to do that, weren't you? Well, at the moment, we're still the only. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. We, we've, uh, we've also got another killer piece of technology, which actually is something we've had for a while, but its usefulness, I feel like, is really starting to come to bear in this new sort of social marketing approach, you know, which is... Uh, we've got what we call a cross-domain uh, tracking capability, which means, you know, we've got Cyber Monday coming up, and a lot of different e-commerce vendors out there want to use Facebook to promote their Cyber Monday deals. Um, but one of the challenges is that one of the worst ways you can do Facebook advertising is take out an ad and point it right to your page because you've given no context to that user for why they would want to leave Facebook and go spend time with your website. So now we have the capability that somebody can click on an ad, go to a landing page inside of Facebook, see the deals that you have, and then click through from there to your website to complete the e-commerce transaction. Nice. So what normally happens in the uh, in standard web analytics is you can track somebody from the ad to the landing page but as soon as they go from that landing page to the website, you lose the attribution. All you know now is there were people that went to this app, and then there were people who came from the app to the website, but you can't stitch it all the way back. For this person on the website responded to this ad, and we've got the only solution that can actually track all the way through. Oh, that's fantastic. And, 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 you know, people should know, you know, obviously WebTrends was a client of ours for a long time and we still have a great relationship. So I want to be out in the open that, you know, that's how I know Justin and, and we've worked with them on some of this stuff. Um, but, but in all honesty, this is, this is a competitive advantage that you have over, let's say, Google Analytics because Google will never be let in behind the firewall, right? Well, yeah. I, I mean, the, the reason that we're able to do this, um, we do have a killer relationship with Facebook. Uh, you know, we've got a preferred developer consultant status with them. You know, we've we just participated in a, uh, a beta uh, or an alpha release of the new Insights data that just came out. We were one of seven companies that got to, to build off of it before it was released publicly. Uh, but it, it isn't because we have some sort of special permission from Facebook to do this. Uh, it's it's simply a matter of, you know, we're the company that is highly focused on Facebook and how you get this value out of it, and and we really haven't seen any other players in the space who've been who've been focused on that. You know, we have seen some folks that are doing some really compelling things with the API data from Facebook, but as far as being able to do some of this more tag-based uh, analytics and get data that Facebook isn't providing. Uh, 
we just happen to be the one that's, in, that's most invested in that. That's awesome. Well, let's let's take another short break. Twenty minutes just flew by again. Wow. Um, we have a we have a new sponsor. They've been on for a, a few times now, but uh, Zoomerang polls and surveys. So here we go. Have you ever wanted to survey your customers or employees but thought it was just going to take too much time or cost too much? Well, it doesn't have to. With Zoomerang Online Surveys and Polls, you can sign up for free and send an unlimited number of surveys and polls. It takes just minutes to create and send a professional-looking survey. Zoomerang makes it easy to get started with a newly updated user interface and over 100 professional templates you can customize. It's easy, fast, and best of all, free. The data you get from surveys can be invaluable to help you make better business decisions and plan for the future. Get started today by signing up for a free account at Zoomerang.com. Okay, and I and I and I want to give them a shout out too. You know, just just like our relationship with uh, with WebTrends has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, <coughs> Justin, I don't know if you know any of the folks over at, at Zoomerang, but they are an awesome company to work with as well. We have uh, we we've just had a blast working with them. Totally open to to ideas. You know, we're we're throwing stuff at them left and right, and they they are just so appreciative of it. Um, cool, cool company. So if you guys get a chance, it's a free account. Sign up for a free account, throw a poll out there, see what the results are, and, and start using that information. They've got a they've got a Facebook app too that they've been working on, and uh, and I think there's there's going to be some modifications to it um, soon. But it's it's pretty cool too because because they're taking data from the back end of Facebook. So who answers the survey? You know, because there's so much rich data back there on profiling, it's like the old survey companies. You know, you used to have to go out and capture all the demographics of the audience and everything else, and then you knew, based on the responses, here's how it sliced and diced. Facebook is kind of the ultimate app for that because you have all of that demographic data, and now you have answers from that. So that's it. That's, it. that's all I have. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Justin, Justin, we've got a couple of questions in the uh, chat room. One of them is, what do you suggest for promoting a product that people or companies don't really want but that they need? Uh, so would that be like toilet paper or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think without knowing a little bit more about what it is around the context of why they don't know and why they need it. All right, James. James, give give us an example in the chat room, and, and we'll talk about it. You know, my my feeling is if it's if it's something like that, let's say it's something like paper supplies, right? I think there's still an opportunity to build a personal engagement, and maybe even the topics is industry related and really broad on your Facebook page, um, but it still gives an opportunity um, to 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 engage people. Okay, so. So James uh, James Young talked about uh, absorbance and spill containment. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yes. The spill containment. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, the wonderful world of spill containment. No. Uh, <laughs> We're not laughing at you, James. I promise. No, no. <laughs> This is definitely a challenge that I hear a lot, you know, from from people who, whether it be, hi, I'm a I'm a B2B business, and how do I leverage Facebook? Uh, one thing I will tell you is, uh, we did a study of about 11,000 Facebook campaigns, and 
during that process, we, we sorted them into different types of verticals. And it became clear that there were, there were certainly different verticals that had higher click-through rates across the board than others. Um, and all that that really meant to us is that these were the verticals that people were much more willing to engage in on Facebook than others. And at the top of that list, you know, the highly engaged products uh, or, or, or verticals would be things like automotive, e-commerce, luxury goods, fashion, beauty, uh, you know, electronic gadgets, the types of stuff that are really fun to talk about. And then at the bottom end of that spectrum were things like insurance, uh, financial information, uh, health care, you know, things that are like, well, these are really important, but they're not exactly the types of things that are totally fun to talk about. Uh, so one of the challenges for those brands is to figure out how they can attach their message to something that is more naturally social. An excellent example of that is that zombie graphic that you guys were just talking about. So taking something like this spill uh, cleanup thing and making, you know, hilarious illustrations of different accidents that occurred because, you know, they didn't have this stuff in place and then targeting the types of businesses who would have, you know, people uh, that, that work at those types of companies because one of the things you can do is target different workplaces um, and, and then start trying to get people to engage around like a more humorous approach for the message. Well, yeah, and, and I, I, you know, it's ironic, but I was actually watching a video the other night. Um, I don't know who's, who's putting on, but somebody put on like a, a $1 million oil spill challenge. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's like down in Dallas or something, and it was basically after, uh, you know, after the oil spills in the Gulf last, last year, um, a bunch of companies basically pulled together a million bucks and said, hey, whoever can build a device that pumps, I think it was 2,500 gallons per minute of oil cleanly out of water, so separates it cleanly out of water, wins the million bucks. And if you go to YouTube and look like, you know, oil spill or, or something like that, um, they basically kind of built a video series showing all of the different technologies that are pumping up. But one company, um, I think they're from, you know, I don't know, North Dakota or something like that, actually built this incredible, you know, device. Uh, it, it almost looks like a, a pinwheel. Um, and it's like hundreds of these pinwheels in a row that have grooves in them. And the grooves are big enough to attract oil but disperse water, you know. And these things, literally, they they put it in there, made waves with it, everything else, and, and pumped this stuff out at just this phenomenal rate. It was pretty exciting. I mean, I'm not an oil spill guy or anything, but, but it was pretty exciting seeing that and understanding that it has this huge, you know, environmental um, impact you know, in the environment is something that you can tap into from a behavior standpoint or from a, you know, from a personal standpoint that, that a lot of people care about. And there's, there's a lot of conversation going on about that. So, you know, maybe that's something, James, that you can look at with, you know, spill containment and absorbance and kits is, you know, what's happening on a, on a much grander scale from that standpoint and, and what are the impacts of, uh, of it on the environment. Yeah, the, the other thing that comes to mind is the Blendtec uh, viral video series, uh, you know, where they took something that's 
as unsexy as a blender and then figured out how to make compelling content around it, you know, thinking about the absorbency, like, you know, what would be some outlandish ways that you could use that to absorb things that, you know, the, that would create a funny scenario, and I'm just going to stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know what fluids you can or can't pick up with. <laughs> Absolutely. But you're right. That would be good, and videos would be great there, too. So are there companies or verticals that you, you think that just don't work on Facebook? I mean, it, do you think there's a way to find a creative angle to still engage people? Or is it at some point, it's just you put all this time into trying to build up this engagement. It, does it just not work with certain communities? Well, um, you know, I will say that there are certain companies that are going to have to work harder uh, on, on how they can creatively participate in the medium. Uh, you know, referring back to the old adage that from Marshall McLuhan that the medium is the message. You know, there there are certain brands that just rocket on Google and in search strategies, but then there are other brands like soap, you know, that people really aren't Googling. And and same thing in the social space. You know, there are going to certainly be brands that are going to have a naturally easier time. You know, I think about fashion brands like BB. You know, they just post pictures, and there are these incredibly beautiful models and really uh, fun to look at clothes. You know, like shoes and stuff like that. And that audience just drinks it up, and all they got to do is just post pictures of product. And it's you know, it's much easier value uh, for them to be able to do that. Other brands um, are going to have to work a little bit more creatively on building fun stuff like the blend tech commercials or the zombie infographics. But I think that every brand has the ability to figure out how to, what is their social voice and then apply that in Facebook. Is it, I mean, self-deprecating humor could even work too. You know, if you're in an industry that, you know, everybody, you know, is bored with, there's always an opportunity to make fun of it as well, you know, and do it in a way that's, still compliant and everything else, but, you know, have people know that, yeah, we got to live under the guise of our rules and regulations, but, hey, we're still fun to work with, you know, as people. You think in, like, the funeral business? Is that yeah, the funeral business would be perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I actually had a guy who had a uh, funeral director podcast and uh, was, you know, wanting to figure out how he can promote it on on Facebook. And, uh, and admittedly, that was that took some effort. Well, yeah, and the, and the problem is that you're always working on acquisition. The rejection <laughs> kind of takes care of itself. Oh. <laughs> I actually, Again, um, facial expressions. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you party car. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jen's got a question. Oh, not a question or comment. Um, there's actually a funeral home. Um, off of Three Street by us, that their their sign said "Find us on Facebook," and they actually have I think over 500 likes. Wow! They're killing it. Oh Don't punish us. Justin, Justin, what is your audience doing? The the Web Trends page on Facebook. How? How is your audience, your fans, how are they surprising you with their interaction? 
Um, you know, interestingly, we at Facebook, I mean, excuse me, at Web Trends have some of the similar challenges that a lot of brands have. You know, even though I speak on these topics a lot and we have a, a lot of expertise in-house, you know, we deal with the same things that other companies deal with where you've got, you know, different stakeholders in the company that want to get some of their content published on the wall and it's not done in a way that's engaging, you know, so it's some of some of the things that we preach, we don't practice because it's hard to uh, to get all that cultural change in place. We continue to improve on it. But some things that have been surprisingly good for us uh, has been doing things like promoting webinars on our page. So we'll take out ads against our fans and then the friends of our fans and get drive them to a registration page for our webinars on our Facebook page. And those do really well for us which is a, is a common example that we use for B2B brands who think that, you know, there's no place for them on Facebook. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> the dead silence. <laughs> and cut. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> what are your recommendations? What are the things to avoid for the small business owners who are going in Facebook? What would you say are the things to avoid first and foremost? Avoid the temptation to hook up a bunch of RSS feeds to auto-populate content on your Facebook wall. Which is the first thing that I always do. Yeah. And and yeah. you're right. It doesn't it doesn't work. So I I need to stop doing it. Yeah, Facebook is not a syndication channel. We got to remember uh, a, lot of, a lot of small businesses are really excited about Twitter because it seems like a really easy part of social to participate in. And so they'll invest their time on Twitter, and then they'll just syndicate that into Facebook, and then they don't really spend much time on Facebook. And that's about like saying, uh, I'm going to start in the search space, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on getting top-quality hits on uh, or, or presence on ask.com, and, uh, and uh, you know, I won't really worry about Google. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's good. That's a good, that's a good analogy. Um, you know, one of the things that you had talked about was um, that was a bit controversial, and, and you, you know, you, you wanted to bring it up here, and that's that, you know, as companies look at a website or Facebook, which direction should they, you know, invest the time and energy and everything else? Do you want to expound on that? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, building your presence on Facebook um, is very much a list-building activity. So think about it like, you know, you don't own the world of email, but you can compile a lot of email addresses, and then you can own the system that distributes content out to that list. Um, and it's the same thing with Facebook. You know, don't stress about whether or not you're investing a lot in Facebook and, oh, my gosh, like one day they're going to go out of business or suddenly stop letting you do business. That's just not going to happen. Uh, the, the momentum that Facebook has is they are the market leader and they will be the market leader, uh, not Google+. Plus. We'll, we'll have a conversation about that in a second. Um, you know, so think about the apps that you build that function as your landing pages should be deployed on your CMSs that you own. Uh, if you don't have a CMS, there are really great solutions. WebTrends provides one of those that allows you to build applications and deploy them really easy. You don't have to know code. 
um, and, and own that piece. And then think about the, the presence on Facebook and the fan base that you're building there as simply a list that you use to drive people to those assets. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes absolutely great sense. Are there any dangers, though, to, to treating Facebook fans like they're email subscribers? Because when you subscribe to an email, you're explicitly stating that you, you want to receive content from from a, from a brand or, or a marketer. Um, but Facebook, you see these studies about how people say that, you know, I like your brand. That doesn't give you permission to market to me. Um, well, that's – no, no, it's a, it's a great point, and that's why the place that you want to engage them – with advertorial type things like offers, uh, you know, company news, things like that, you put that in ads, it's not invasive. It's not like you're going into their inbox or you're trying to get into their news feed with the types of stuff they don't want to see in those locations. Uh, instead, you're simply leveraging the ability to do that targeting in the ad space, and, and that doesn't upset people. That's why we see, you know, when we're, again, referring back to that ad study, if you're doing what we call cold targeting, which is ads to people who you don't have any relationship with, you know, you're targeting them based on interests or geography or demographics, the average click-through rate for those types of ads is 0.05%. Ads that you target at your fans have an average click-through rate of 0.35%, seven times higher average click-through rate, which clearly shows that the people who have expressed affinity for your brand are far more responsive to your ads and they they do like it and it's you know it's not in their face it's not it's not like you're in their inbox okay that's that's pretty nice talk about google plus <laughs> yeah come on I get, robert i get a lot of questions robert scoble says it's all the rage yeah robert scoble and uh all of his tech buddies all think so. Um, <laughs> and all I got to say is they all thought friend feed was all the rage, too. Uh, <laughs> wow, that was a good slam. <laughs> well, it's true. And then who ended up buying friend feed? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and basically implementing that kind of technology right in the wall. Yeah, so to me, Google getting into this space is a bit like Microsoft getting into search. Um you know, people say like, "Oh, they're a big company. They got a lot of resources. They know what they're doing." It's totally true, but I'm sorry, the the social war is over. And then people will say to me like, "Oh, but you know, what about MySpace? You know, everybody thought MySpace was a winner." And I'm I compare that to well, when Google entered the search space, everybody thought the search wars were over and that AltaVista won. Uh, so once Google really came in and actually won, no one has replaced them. Right. Same thing with Facebook. And it's really going to take it's really going to take a monumental. You know, I mean, the, I, I read a great article on MySpace and and that talked about the downfall of MySpace. And it was really that the the owners of MySpace totally took their eyes off the ball. They they uh, one of the owner I, I guess one of the owners admitted that he had bought a hockey team and spent two years working on the hockey team instead of you know watching what was happening with online technologies and everything else. Uh, yeah, they stopped. They stopped innovating. It's the same reason why Google came in and ate everyone's lunch in the search world. Is they stopped innovating. Right. Uh, and if Facebook has proven anything, it's that they are not going to listen to the whiners who complain. Like every time they roll out a change, and you know, not implement them, they're going to continue with innovation. And had they never changed anything, you know, we would never have the wall, uh, which is 
pretty much what we consider the backbone of our Facebook experience. And the news feed wouldn't exist. You know, a lot of the features that we now consider to be like the the table stake fundamental parts of Facebook at one point didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, and Facebook is not caving to the every time they make a change, a, a million person <coughs> group forms that says stop, change it back. Eventually, and then you know. So many times, five different large changes, people told me, I'm going to stop using Facebook. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're Wasn't it Steve Jobs? You know, he, said, he said, you don't give people what they need. You tell them what they need. You know? And you have to be really good at it to be able to do that. And if you can, which Facebook has demonstrated that they can, right. you'll be rewarded with success, and that's exactly what's going on. Well, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, given all these changes and, and you know, the only thing that I always bitch about is that the settings are always in some different place. Um, if they kept the settings in the same place, I, I wouldn't mind if everything else changed. But you're right. I mean, people are spending seven more times than they were before. They're spending twice as long, you know, compared to the next biggest social engine. You know, um, absolutely. You know, they're, 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 they're killing it there. Yeah, and, and, you know, eventually Facebook's continuing to mature, you know, so they, you know, we, we hold them to standards that, I mean, are really unrealistic for an age of company that they are. Um, they are going to continue to improve their release cycles. They're going to continue to improve communication with users and continue to improve communication with the vendors who build off of their, their platform. Um, and it's going to become a, a more and more predictable experience. But by then, that's going to be boring, so let's just enjoy the ride. <laughs> well, and, and, I mean, the other thing that you have to give it up for Facebook with, too, is, you know, their their downtime is nil, right? Mm -hmm. There's no fail whale on Facebook. I mean, uh, it's to me, it's absolutely incredible what they've built and the fact that they, they're able to keep it up so well. Especially when you consider they did it on PHP and MySQL. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been just an amazing conversation, Justin. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Can you tell people about, you know, you're constantly speaking and you've been doing some roadshows and everything else. Where can where can people look you up next? Yeah, that's a good question. I have a lot of different uh, events coming up. Where should and, they go to find those? Well, definitely follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, I'm facebook.com slash Justin Kistner. And I'm at Justin Kistner on Twitter. Um, I talk about, you know, a lot of the different things that are going on there. We also have an events calendar on webtrends.com, uh, so you can see where I'll be on there as well. And uh, and then uh, a really exciting thing with your life, your uh, webtrends is moving you down to uh, down to Southern California, right? Well, Northern California. Northern California. <laughs> so you're going to be you're going to be closer to the team at Facebook. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm uh, literally next weekend and moving down to San Francisco, where I'm going to work out of our San Francisco office, and I am super pumped about it. Yeah, that is that is really exciting. Well, you you deserve it. I mean, uh, I like I said, every single time that I've seen you speak and and every you know webinar that I've attended, um, I've just learned tons. And today is no different. I mean, this was absolutely incredible. You got some kudos coming from the chat room. They said uh, they said awesome ideas and tips. Um, they really appreciate it too. So um, so everybody at Justin Kistner, K I S T N E R, 
uh, and then facebook.com slash Justin Kistner. Um, be sure to, to find one of his webinars soon uh, and, and, and to hook up with him. If he's in a city near you, uh, definitely make it out there. He's just a, just a, a genius at this stuff and, and, uh, and works at it 20 hours a day. So, Justin, thanks so much for taking the time today. Well, I really appreciate you having me on here. This has been a lot of fun. I definitely would welcome doing it again. Super. We'll have you again then. Get get yeah. the guys get get someone from Facebook. We'd love to have them on. Yeah, I'm, I've been uh, starting to get some of those guys to go to some of our conferences and and speak with us on different things. So that that may just be able to happen. Awesome, awesome, sir. Well, thanks very much, and have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye now. Bye. Go ahead. So Justin, uh, his main themes that I heard were uh, engage existing clients more in Facebook rather than trying to acquire new clients. Yeah, I think I think a couple things. One is we always looked at it as you know that that it was this that the website was the center of your universe, and then Facebook was one of those things that drove people to it. He called it another single, another syndication channel. Yeah, and and so you know it's now start thinking about it differently. Start thinking about it as an alternative destination. And maybe you have people going to both and converting at both and measured at both, um, but but and treat them differently there too. Um, so I think I think that's something that that clearly we need to work on, you know, on our side of the wall and with our clients. And uh, I appreciate the fact that he was perfectly willing to admit that the B two B side of Facebook is still challenging. I mean, engaging existing clients on there. I think unique content is probably a strong strategy. Well, I, I, I love his comment, right? Hey, we're, you know, we uh, we struggle with internal, you know, folks wanting to get the spotlight on there. We, we don't eat our own uh, own yeah. food, yeah. And I think that's something that every business is challenged with: is someone inside going, make sure you promote this, <laughs> you know, yeah. make sure you do this, and they don't fully understand the medium. Buy more sausage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there's internal Facebook call to action to get them engaged to your website with. through a call to action is similar to, you know, like Kevin Mola with his QR codes gone wild. Yeah. It's that same type of concept of right. you've got to do something with them once you get them there. Don't right. Them but so give them, give them that right. path yeah. and make it easy. Don't make them bounce out and bounce back in and everything else. It's, make it's it easy for them. exact same concept. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Pay attention to that kind of stream. It's similar yeah. conversation. What what do you think about the iframe approach? I mean, I love it. I, yeah. We we did an implementation with uh, Wild Birds Unlimited. We had built a mapping application that's mobile enabled and and web enabled, um, basically a store finder. So what what's the closest store? How do I get directions? Everything else. And uh, Wild Birds came to us and said, Hey, can you uh, can you put this on our Facebook page? And it was one of those, oh my God, you know, I'm going to have to learn the Facebook API, and I'm going to have to do this, and I'm going to have to do that. I think we had it up and testing within hours. So, um, what are the design considerations? He said there's some pixel counts. Five, 520 pixels wide. You can go down. You can go as deep as you want to go um, on on the page. You do have to do some clunky CSS to make sure that, you know, whether you have scroll bars or not scroll bars and everything else. But it's it's really quite simple. And the wrapper, Adam Small helped us write, you know, the wrapper for it. Literally, I think it was probably ten lines of code to basically wrap your page wow. that you already had built to work, 
within Facebook. And then probably the toughest part is if you don't have your site um, secure SSL, that was the hardest part. Out of everything else, that was the hardest part because all of your images, all of your pages, everything has to be you know hosted in a secure environment with an SSL certificate. It's not expensive, 50 bucks a year or something like that, but it has to be. Otherwise you get jacked up warnings and everything else and I think Facebook's eventually not going to allow your app to work unless it's secure. So that was that was really the hardest part of the whole thing was we had to kind of rip apart we were pulling we were pulling uh, some stuff from one site one of web trends or wildbird site um, so images and CSS and everything else and some JavaScript that was common between two different sites and we had to rip all of that out and basically you know bring it all from one secure site so that was that was the tough part but literally within hours we were we were up and running it was pretty and and I just think it's an incredible opportunity even e-commerce you know if you have an e-commerce engine why not just make people purchase right there in Facebook you know don't even make them shop and go back to your site you can embed it all right there so what are you going to change tomorrow based on what you learned today? Well, I'm going to turn off the auto feed. <laughs> are you? After I am. all these years? Yeah, after all these years, I'm going to turn off the auto feed. Um, I use Twitter feed to push. And it's because our stuff is invisible. Marketing tech blog on, on Facebook, I, I there's 2,500 fans or something, but zero interaction. Zero. We might get one like a day. You know, and it's because I think everything is hidden by Ed Drank because we're just, you know, basically vomiting it out, <laughs> out there. So, yeah. What else? Um, well, I definitely want to work on email subscriptions. You know, we've got a good newsletter, and I think um, I think building a page internal to Facebook and then pushing people, friends of friends, with ads. I think would be a great way for us to acquire new subscribers. And once we get people on our newsletter, we have great retention on that. It's a quality newsletter, and it drives a lot of traffic back to our site. I think I think that's that's probably our first good approach. I think eventually, I'd love to have you know conversations all day in Facebook. We're a little bit too busy for that, but eventually, I'd I'd like to get to that point too. So. There we go. You guys want to go around the room, introduce yourself? I'll start. I'm Doug Thies. I'm the Vice President of Sales for Lifeline Data Centers. We're a client of DK New Media's. Doug's made a big difference in the way we market. Uh, you know, Our clients are using the web. They're finding us, whether they're local or whether they're 800 miles away, they're finding us on the web, and Doug's made a huge difference in how we get found. Yeah, you guys are kicking butt, that's for sure. My name is Isaac Peller, and I'm a digital strategist for Achieve that works with nonprofits on their Facebook strategy um, and fundraising strategy. And um, yeah, so Clay. Where can people find you? They can find me at the Isaac Fix or at AchieveGuidance.com. I'm Eric Kakonis. I'm a senior account manager with Ditto Public Relations. D I T T O E. E usually trips people up. Um, we're a partner with DK New Media. Um, I guess, Doug, if you want to go on a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I mean, we've just had incredible results with Ditto. We've kind of been doing a, a combination deal where, um, you know, search, a big part of search is basically 
how well you're promoted off-site, not, not your on-site. Definitely, once you get all the pieces of on-site put together and you can measure and your, and your on-site presence is, is um, you know, accurate uh, from a Google standpoint, so they're seeing you for the right keywords and everything else, in order to get ranked, you've got to get offline attention. And what we found is that really nothing works except hard work. Uh, and that's and that's um, basically high, high, high authority sites. You know, you've gotten us mentioned in New York Times and you know um, Mashable and and everything else. Whenever one, just one of those articles hit, we skyrocketed. And so what we've been doing is we've turned that into kind of a a, a system for our our clients. Uh, we're calling it pure just because it's it's totally transparent and you know everybody sees the content that's going out there and why it's going out there and 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 it's not necessarily after a backlink it's it's after getting you know a broad high authority media attention and uh, but but it just takes social it takes the search side of it and turns it on its ear I mean we, we we've just been getting incredible results so we're we're excited. We've worked with Ditto now for over a year. Uh, it's been mostly informal, so now we're uh, making it official. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's it's been fantastic. So. Jen's here. Hi, I'm Jen Lisak. I am damage control for the <laughs> troublemaker. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> um, I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> uh, You're talking about Bryant, right? Uh, no, but he's trying to get evil as a topic. For me, for clout. So all of you, we need assistance. No, no, I'm not evil. Trend on evil clout. So there's plenty of tweets out there. If you can keep this conversation going with lots of hashtags with evil, no. and you don't even have to say is Jen evil. You just have to mention evil, evil. in the same tweet. I'm not evil. evil. Re and retweet anything she said that had evil in it. <laughs> in my evil plan. And of course, Brian is. Camel, camel. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian's with uh, HCC MIS. If you guys uh, are in need of, of affordable travel insurance, really is is their bread and butter. Uh, and I mean affordable, really, really good company. Um, but they're they're growing their online presence significantly. It's it's your primary acquisition channel, right? Yeah. And uh, and people can find you at uh, B Tudro on Twitter and. Just look for us at hccmis.com. Yep. Or just search pound camel. <laughs> <laughs> or guide the zombie survivors. Yeah, there you go. Guide the zombie survivors. There we go. We'll, 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 we'll throw a plug in there. So, hey, thank you, everybody, for joining us. That was an incredible show today. And we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and close this out. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.